I don't know, have you ever scored from a corner, Karen? Have you ever taken a corner? I've never, absolutely not. I only give them away. Okay, let's talk about the Irish bias. Keep up to date with the latest WSL action and the biggest interviews. Subscribe to the Koi Gig podcast stream on the OTB Sports app now. You should be the host here. I were laughing at you. We're both monster people, diehard monster people, and we want them to do well. The Red 78 with Alan Quillen and Neve Briggs. Nobody knows monster rugby better. I'd like to think I know a lot. Hello and welcome along. I'm Alan Quinlan and you're listening to the Red 78 here on the Rugby Channel. With me, as always, is Neve Briggs. You've got the Girls Ireland camp again this weekend, Neve. Give us an update on that. And uh was less than two weeks away now to the, the start of your Six Nations. So how are the preparations going? Yeah, look, it was a really, really good weekend. We um, had a big rugby focus day Friday. We actually did a little bit of team bonding on Saturday, which was brilliant. Um, really good venue in, in Wicklow. Um, bit, good bit of crack. The weather was good as well, which was great. Um, and then we went back to the, the rugby stuff again Sunday. So it was just a really good weekend. Um, I think both mentally and physically, everyone was just wrecked after it because... Uh, you know, a lot of information's going over and back because, as you say, with two weeks to the first game, we're just so excited now. It's starting to be, feel very real. What kind of team building did you do in Wicklow? Was this an activity uh, centre? Yeah, kind like of. So they had like six tasks. They were in six groups, six tasks. It was great crack. And and on the back of that, then they had like a kind of a quiz to do um, going around. Um, and you know what? It's really cool because you see um you know who are leaders and 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 more and just as important i think we often forget you know who who are good followers and good listeners um so they had like canoeing things they had like a maze they did wall climbing like air rifle the usual kind of team bond and stuff but um it was great crack it was actually brilliant fun and um yeah i'd have loved to have been in it myself to be fair i was hoping we'd get a coach's team in but uh that's not how it works apparently <laughs> well it's it's important the team building stuff is very important um to try and bond team particularly when you've not a lot of new players um, do you whittle down the squad another bit now next week or are you keeping that group for, for the whole Six Nations? No, we're going to go with 38 again next weekend. I think it's really important. You know, we're trying to marry both sevens, fifteens in in terms of um, sevens will have a World Series towards the end of, of Six Nations. So we've got to make sure that everybody's up to speed on the rugby. Um, uh, but yeah, so, and it's great because the more that we can get as many players into camps like this, the better it is for us going forward, you know, because you don't have to go back to scratch in terms of the detail and what you're trying to do. Um, and to be fair, they're, they're pushing each other really hard, which is great. Were you on the training field at the weekend? or? or... We were, yeah. Big day Friday, huge. And uh, Saturday too, or Sunday too, sorry. Sorry, so um, yeah, we did. We had a lot of rugby and then obviously off the pitch, a lot of information, a lot of video to review. So it was, it was it was very full on, and obviously then you know when you're a player, I I don't know if you remember this, but you know you're you're doing your detail or whatever it is, and then you belt away and have a cup of tea or whatever with the girls, and then um you know you go to bed. Whereas coaching, it's it's like as if it's never ending. It's, uh, it's never ending. Yeah. Did you get to watch the Irish game? It was obviously oh, we a great did. weekend from an Irish point of view, so you got the chance yeah. to sit down and watch that. Yeah, we did. And I think that was really important. We watched it together as a group, which was great in the team room. Um, and it was it was good. It was really good. So um, it was brilliant for them and the, and the 20s too, to be fair. What a brilliant result for them. Um, so um, hopefully we'll get to, and I'm pretty sure we will, we'll, we'll watch a good chunk of Super Saturday next weekend. 
good Irish results, but unfortunately, Munster uh, Munster lost against the Bulls on Saturday. Um, that was on at two o'clock. It was it was a feast of rugby at the weekend with all the internationals. And and um, obviously, I think we should say at the start that um, these games weren't supposed to be fixed on international weekends. For anyone that doesn't know that, they were cancelled. They were supposed to be back in, in November. So cancelled because of COVID. So the whole idea at the start of the season with URC to to kind of give the competition a bit more kudos and have uh, more of the internationals playing was to have breaks during the international weekends. That didn't happen. So it's it's a bit strange and a bit more difficult for the travelling teams going to South Africa. Um, as always, we want people to be involved. So I put a tweet out yesterday and uh, you have some reactions there. Um, call out a few of them and, and identify the culprits. <laughs> yeah, look, I think... Uh... Stephen Siegel, which is a, a very good Twitter handle, um, feels that you know that they really must show up next weekend. That the lines were no are nowhere near the standard and the quality of the Bulls. Um, and Mike Hennessy, Ken Dillon is a superstar. We agree. We'll talk about him later. Uh, Richard Daly would like to see Damien Delande on from the start. I reckon this week will be a different result in a positive way as we will have adjusted. Very good point. I thought Delande was excellent when he came on. Um, but he's been, inj- he's been injured for he's a while. He's been injured so for a long time. He, could, he, yeah, could, yeah. he couldn't start um, and it was probably the right thing to do, but he did make a difference Yeah, uh, um, when he came uh, on. A South African lister, um, J.H. Boshoff. As a Lions fan, I'm really nervous for next weekend. Munster grew as the Bulls game progressed and their performance in the last quarter showcased how well conditioned they are. The high belt is, best, is something else. Dame Delande also made a huge impact when he came on. So they, they were like really good. I think Gavin Murphy talked about if we have, a, I think it's a little bit harsh in my opinion, if we had a decent front row, then we'd have won the game. Pity. When is Ali Jaeger arriving? Is that done and dusted? No, I, I, well, that's that's yeah. Gavin. Uh, what's his name? Gavin. Um, Murphy. Yeah, Gavin must know something that nobody does because he keeps tweeting us about Ali Jaeger, who plays yeah. for the Crusaders, the Irish guy. Um, tight head prop who's done remarkably well in New Zealand. Um, I don't have any information on Ali Yeager, whether he's coming to Munster. I know Munster and all the Irish provinces would would definitely be keen on an Irish qualified tight head. They don't grow on trees, you know. So um, Gavin keeps tweeting about that. So he must <laughs> know something or want him to come to Munster or have some connection. He's but some, he's some addition for sure. Well, well just t- tell Gavin if he wants to come on, if he's any information, he can come on with us anyway. He can share that information. But I look, obviously, Ali Yeager would be would be a, a positive addition to any of the provinces. And uh, I don't know any more about it. I didn't hear from my sources that he signed him for Munster. But... <laughs> As I said, it's 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 you know for Ireland, even from an Irish point of view, talent acquisition, trying to get at someone an Irish qualified. He is Irish. Um, played his rugby here, travelled to New Zealand to get someone like that to come back would be would be brilliant. He has spoken about playing for the All Blacks before, and he's been in New Zealand a number of years now and done really well for himself. So we'll wait and see on that one. Yeah, any more? Come here. The last two, um, uh, last two in this in relation to the to the to the ref's performance. So Patrick Hogan said the only way they can beat the Lions next week is pray that they don't get Ben as a ref. And uh, likewise, uh, Jared Hawk didn't see it all, but heard ref had only one arm in the first half. So um, that was a very... Which, 
we'll talk yeah. about that in a minute. I think the the yeah Ben Whitehouse, whose uh, performance has come under a lot of criticism, particularly from Munster fans. I saw some comments on the YouTube highlights when I looked back and, and watched the match. And then I looked at some of the comments that were on all, all attached to that in YouTube. Um, a lot of South Africans were making the point that when the South Africans teams came here at the start of the season, that they suffered a lot from the, the Northern Hemisphere URC refs here. And um, a lot of that was down to interpretation. They felt a little bit hard done by basically when well, they came. White House is a URC. Uh, I know that, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, there were there were so definitely some, some interesting calls. What, what I'm saying so, is some some of the yeah. comments were saying that uh, well, this 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 happened to us in the Northern Hemisphere. So pity about you, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, yeah. I think there was a lot of. Uh, there was a lot of comments and queries uh, about some of the decisions that Ben Whitehouse made against Munster, particularly around the breakdown um, and and struggles they had there and some penalties they gave against them. Um, there was certainly a couple that I would debate and that I look back on, but um, we'll chat about that in a minute. Um, there was another comment on the YouTube uh, or on, um, on the rugby channel uh, about the possibility of Healy and Crowley yeah, look, Tell this is a really good, a, a really good um, comment from Adam Hogan. He was like, my big question that's formed over the last two and a half months in mind is whether Joey Carberry should be Munster starting 10 when the Six Nation concludes. He's been solid but unspectacular for Munster in Ireland in the last few months and is sadly very injury prone and lightweight in the tackle when he defends giving an easy four or five yards to opposition back rows in contact. Both Ben Healy and Jack Crowley have much more power in the tackle when defending and seem to trust their bodies more when taking it to the line with the ball in hand. With Jack's willingness to go for it himself and his passing range, his strength and drawing my eye in particular. If Ben and Jack steer Munster to two wins in South Africa tour, I hope it forces genuine questions at 10 for the Leinster and Exeter last 16 ties. Okay, so that comment was last week, was it before mm. the before yeah. the the Bulls game? What's yeah. that uh, that man's name again? Adam Hogan. Adam Hogan. Yeah. Well, it's a relevant point. Uh, well, it could be a relevant point, and it'd be interesting what the listeners think about about um, that the ability of that happening. Maybe having Carberry's a fullback or an outside centre or wherever. Um, Jack Crowley and Ben Healy, I think, have matured and imp- improved a lot. Um, since the start of the season, they're probably their confidence has grown. They're two big physical players, um, so maybe there is some merit and argument in that. I think it's a little bit unfair on Joey Carberry to say that. Um, I, I think when you're out for a long, long time to get up to that physical speed um, and aggressive, he's never going to smash people in tackles. Um, that's not the type of defender he is. I think he's a good tackler, puts his body on the line, but. Um, in an ideal world, you have a Johnny Sexton or an Owen Farrell at 10 where they just smash anyone, no matter whether it's props, second row, centres, whatever comes at them. So not every team can have that. But it's something that maybe maybe will happen. It's not down to you or me. Um, but we can talk about it and see what the listeners think as well if they want to get involved in that. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think at the start of the season, it was very evident that he'd been out for a while in terms of the, the tackle count. I do think, though, that from that Wasps game on, or sorry, from that like it, November International to the Wasps game. And that Wasps game, he was just so unfortunate. Like that was a real freak injury in terms of his elbow. And um, I just think that, you know, he's he packs more of a punch than his size gives him in terms of he, his ability to chop tackle 
is really good and he just has this X factor and I think that when you have players like that it's very difficult to count them out and um, I do think prior to the Wasps injury um, um, from his no, like that November series I, I thought that he was playing incredibly well in terms of he was getting himself back into the game he was making points of difference he was kicking very well so um, but I think that that's a really interesting thing but it's, it's like turning around and saying Hodden and Ogunuhu and Kandelan are playing brilliant does Obani and Tyburn come back in and it's very difficult to turn around and say no they don't because they've been away playing international rugby like Joey has so um, yeah I think I, I think that's definitely a, a very interesting point It is and it's one we may touch on again and look I'm sure uh, one of my former teammates will forgive me and one of my best friends Ronan O'Gara he wasn't the, the, an impact tackler, um, but he put his body on the line. He was effective in the tackle. And at times, everybody targets the opposition number 10. Um, so he went on to have an incredible career and actually become a really good defender. Um, there was never a doubt in any of our minds that Rog wasn't, um, hadn't that, that, that aggression and an intensity and real desire to make tackles. But sometimes... There's a size difference, there's a physicality difference. And I think for Joey Carberry, he just got has to get off the line more, probably make those tackles and, and be a little bit more aggressive and, and intense. That comes with you know, not being injured. Because if you're out for a while, it takes a little bit of time. But it's something we'll talk about again. Just getting on to the performance. So um, incredibly busy weekend. So I'm sure the diehard Munster fans were watching the Munster game, not... Uh, listening to me doing Italy-Scotland commentary. Um, now, I did watch back the Munster game. It was an incredibly busy weekend trying to watch all the matches and understand what was going on. But uh, it was on at five past two on Saturday. Um, the Italian-Scotland game was on. Then the Irish game. The 20s were, were, were brilliant as well Saturday evening. Spurs were beaten by Man United. Uh, didn't do us any favours anyway. But look, United are not really a threat to Liverpool anymore. So maybe it's all right. Um, but let's talk about the monster performance. Okay. The way they started the game, and you and I both spoke about this last week, the need for um, them to settle in the game, uh, get a foothold, control a little bit of tempo, uh, move the bulls around a little bit. Um, that didn't really happen. Um, the bulls started like the dominant force that we, we know that they have that potential. But it was a disappointing, really disappointing first half from a Munster point of view. Yeah, it was. I, I, and it wasn't, to be fair. I think Munster have been playing so well over the last few weeks um, on the basis of a an ability to play with tempo and uh, good intensity. It was similar to kind of Ireland in that sense. I just think that the sheer physicality of the Bulls probably was definitely something that kind of shocked them. But also I think the the penalty count killed them because they couldn't get any momentum and any flow into what they were trying to do. And I think that that's a really hard thing to try and get back. And I thought um, to try and change that and turn that around in the second half will give them, will have given them a huge amount of confidence. Um, but in the first half, if it's just like they just couldn't get into their groove, if that makes sense. Um, and, we're, and we're sloppy in terms of the tackle, missed tackle count. Um, and then you're trying to overreach and try and extend and win the ball back as quickly as possible. And um, and when you do that, then, you know, you're not painting good pictures. And I, I definitely thought that there were were instances where Ben Whitehouse made interesting calls and I would be looking for clarification on them. But 
and the general idea that if 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 you're you know painting good pictures to the ref at the breakdown or in the defensive line, then he can he'll re- he'll rarely go against you if it's a fifty fifty call. I just think at times Munster just didn't do that. They weren't clever enough in terms of just just showing him that you know they're onside and. And almost saying to each other, like after, okay, he was really hot on the breakdown. So 20 minutes in, just turn around and be like, okay, nobody goes into the breakdown for the next five, 10 minutes. That way then we can kind of erase the first 20 minutes from his mind and then be able to go and attack it again. And I just felt like that they were just a little bit indisciplined from that point of view. Was was any part of it down to the initial collision? Because the reality here, Neve, is Munster made 123 tackles in the game. And they missed 31 tackles on top of that. So that that's a really, really poor number if you want to win a game to miss 31 tackles. The Bulls missed nine tackles in the game. So that kind of tells its own story. The physical side of Kutsia, um, these guys, uh, they have a physical power that Arno Bota... Steenkamp in the second row, who scored the second try, really powerful. Grobler, the hooker. Um, there's a lot of power there. There's a lot of huge men. Um, and was it an issue for Munster that they just mentally weren't fired up, ready to go to put in those impact tackles early on? And then as the game went on, they started to believe in themselves a little bit and think, well, this isn't... Um, we're better than this, and the Bulls are not as good as we're making them making them look. Yeah, I think they definitely the Bulls aren't as good as what uh, Munster made them look, and they offered them um, spaces on the edges at times because they were soaking in tackles, and because you're soaking in tackles because of their sheer power, cancel the breakdown, but you're retreating all the time, and it's very difficult to get line speed after that. Um, so, for example, like Hendricks and Andrese, the, the fullback for me, was just incredible in terms of his footwork and his ability to put pace in the ball. But we offered them a huge amount of space because we had been sucked in in previous collisions, if that makes sense. So, um, yeah, but I think as the game grew, you know, they definitely um, got a handle on that physicality. I think Delande coming in was big in terms of his ability to get off the line and smash. I thought both him and Chris Farrell made big impacts. I thought Hodnett's impact was incredibly he has to start for me next weekend I just can't see any other way around it and and then obviously that outrageous red card from Bismarck to Duplessis was um, so like Kandelin is so fortunate that he didn't get a serious injury off the back of that and and that kind of shifted a small bit of momentum too in terms of um, you know it allowed Munster probably to to shift that momentum turn into Bulls into the Bulls kind of territory and, and then we're able to score a couple of tries off it so um, yeah look I definitely think there's definite work-ons but um, you know we spoke about beforehand that if they went and beat the Lions and, and got a bonus point against Bulls and that would be a good trip for them um, that that's that's not an easy task this week. I, I want to ask you this, and maybe I'm, am I being harsh? Is it was this a case? Okay, so it's twenty six three at half time. Poor poor performance from Munster in the physical stakes and the collisions. Their lineout was dreadful throughout the match. Even lineouts they won, they couldn't launch attacks off them. Not all of them, but I think it was fifteen lineouts. They lost five. Big number again. How did they fix that? And it's a double barrel question. 
was this a case of the Bulls taking the foot off the pedal at 29-3 when they got a penalty at the start of the second half? They relax a little bit. And then Munster, out of pure desperation, which happens, make a, a, a comeback. Does it mask over, you know, the difference here? It finished 29-24. Or was it this a genuine, we played poorly in the first half, we're a lot better than this, let's wake up at half time and execute better and defend and man up a bit more? No, I definitely do think it was the latter. I think that they were much better in the second half than they were in the first. And I don't think that was to do with the Bulls taking their foot off the pedal. I just think that Munster played smarter um, in relation to their moving that point to contact and their ability to probably get the edges running square as opposed to, you know, drifting across the pitch. And I thought, you know, Bulls only scored three points in that second half. That's not taking your foot off the pedal. That is, you've been absolutely dominated in that that first four, that second forty. I think the issue now with Munster is that they really, and we've we've kind of had this kind of conversation over the last while in relation to the slow starts and an ability to give teams head starts and try and chase them. If you're the coaching ticket this week now, you're really emphasizing a, a fast start. We've got to get out of the blocks against the lines. We've got to start to put them under pressure. And I thought. At the start, they they did they did do that, but they just couldn't. I just think they they allowed Bulls back into the game with ill discipline and and poor decision making in relation to the defensive stuff. So, um, no, I I do think that Munster definitely played way better in the second half. Um, they played smarter, and I think that going into this weekend, there's got to be a huge concentration on starting quick and starting fast, but also that set piece. And I think you know Jeremy Barnes. That's picked up a head knock. You know, can they? Is he back in time for the next game? If not, then you're looking at Scott Buckley coming in with Niall Scannell, um, and and also the lift, the jump. They've got to be way more cohesive in that set. Okay, so we, we'll talk about the Lions game in a minute. Um, so the general consensus is Monster started poorly. It can happen. I've been there. You've probably been there you do wake up a little bit and you execute better and you tactically are more aware. And it was always going to be difficult. They're playing against a big physical side who are at home. You're playing at um, altitude and some of those decisions are going against you, which can happen as well when you're away from home. So it's more positive than negative, we think. Um, The second half, I thought they showed incredible character. Easy thing to do would be fold and keep falling off tackles. And... um, there's possibly a lot of learnings here for, for this group, um, particularly younger players. And some of them did really front up, uh, not just in the second half, but throughout the game. And and one of the comments that we got was, uh, you know, Munster looked fit. The conditioning, it's something we always pride ourselves as I, in, in the Irish provinces here, the fitness and the conditioning. And that did tell in the second half. Um, who were the standout players for you? And, you know, who, who played well in that game? Yeah, look, I think I think the Jack Donahue, uh, Kim Dellen were excellent. Um, I, I actually John, thought John Klein probably, um, you know, was throwing his body in the line, made a yeah. lot of tackles as well. Dermot Barr, when he it? came on, probably. Isn't it funny about John Klein? It's kind of what we expect from now. We don't really talk about him because we know that that's his level all the time. We should probably doing him a disservice. Um, but I, I did think Finian Witcherly. Finney was, yeah, I thought Ben Healy was very good. He kicked very well, controlled the game. Uh, I thought Chris Farrell had another busy game. Um, one penalty for another high tackle. We've just got to watch that, I think, because that's a, a few now in the last few games. 
Um, and I thought Mike Healy was was good again too. I think um, probably saw a little bit more from Zebo. I, I, he had one unbelievable left foot clearance kick from inside his kind of own five meter dead ball area. Um, but are we getting enough out of him? I still don't think we are. Um, well, probably he was unlucky when he stripped the ball and after the Bulls yeah, player yeah, and, the, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and it, it bounced up to. Tam Tambaway, um, yeah. the winger, who was incredibly quick, and that gave you know that was a soft try to concede. It was a seven pointer, so Zebra was trying to strip the ball out of the tackle. But we're not giving any of these players uh, eight out of ten, sevens or eights out of ten here. They're probably sixes or seventy. Would that be fair enough? Because of I that thought, first half, I thought Hodnett was brilliant. I would Hodnett would be up there for me. Uh, can, I thought the back row, the finishing back row, would have definitely have all played very well for me. I thought they were excellent. Okay, we'll talk a little bit about the lines. Uh, we'll preview that in a few minutes, but we'll move on to our, uh, as I said, the consensus is great character shown to come back and maybe a bit of an eye-opener as the type of intensity you need to start these type of games. And let's be honest, um, from a, a neutral's point of view and somebody, we all want the URC to be stronger and the South Africans coming into it. They, we had four results to the weekend. The Sharks beat the Scarlets. 37-20, the Bulls beat Munster, Lions beat Cardiff and the Stormers beat Zebra. So All wins. Yeah, yeah, it's all wins from, from the start of the season. It was really difficult for the South African teams coming up. And we want more competitiveness. We want more tighter games and physical games, not one-sided games. So it's good from the, the competition's point of view and certainly good from the South Africans. The, are, you, are you watching Andy Farrell piece? Um, let's move on to that now. Who did you pick this week? Yeah, so this week I've selected Alex Kandelin. Um, I thought he was excellent. Um, it's probably the first time we've seen him at eight this season. He's usually been on either flank. So um, I thought he was incredibly busy. Unlucky a couple of times at breakdowns not to get the, the poacher or the jackal because um, Ben Whitehouse wasn't very hot on, on giving that. So, um, But his his power, his footwork, his contacts was incredible. Um, his explosiveness is... Um, you know, we 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 watched him at under twenty level uh, with Ireland, um, and sometimes you know that can be difficult to translate into senior rugby. And um, oh God, he's he's a wonderful talent. I think he's um, he's definitely making a, a mark for for coming into Leinster, Exeter. So I just think he's he's the type of player that has that kind of it's almost like that kind of X factor. You're kind of hard to put your finger on it, but he's, he just has something. And I think that he'd be difficult to both him and Hodnett, to be fair, are playing exceptionally well every time they play for Munster now. And they definitely have to genuinely come into the conversation. Yeah. There's a lot of optimism, positivity, about the, the, all the loose forwards in Munster. Jack O'Sullivan is another one. Uh, John Hodnett has been fantastic. Uh, but I think I agree with you. Alex Kandelan is is a wonderful player. Strengths, weaknesses. I think strengths: footballer, uh, breakdown poacher, versatility. Can play right across the back row. There's a toughness about him as well. Um, he reminds me of um, a Kalen Doris type number eight. When he gets his hands on the ball, he's a brilliant stepper and a real leader as well because he's captain of the Irish under twenties. He's still only twenty one, just twenty one. Um, so I think it's uh, it's a really good call. And, I, and look again, we talk about the are you watching Andy Farrell piece? Of course he's watching. Um, all these players will be 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 monitored throughout um, the season, even during the Six Nations. And I think Alex Kendellan, um We try to talk and see have they got potential. 
maybe it's a little bit unfair at, um, on some that they can go and start for Ireland. But this is a potential situation here. This guy, I think, in the not-too-distant future um, can take the step up like Gavin Coombs have. Has Gavin Coombs hasn't gone on to be a starter for Ireland at the moment. But I think Kendellan is uh, is a wonderful footballer. I love his attitude. Do you um, bring him to New Zealand? Um, uh, I don't know. We'd have to start going through all the other back row options throughout the country. I think it's a, it's an incredibly competitive area and it has always been. Um, if he finished the season strong, like I said about John Hodnett a few weeks ago, if they start for Munster, which again is a tall order because you have Amani, um, Tygburn, Gavin Coombs, uh, Jack O'Donoghue, Chris Clote, um, there's a lot of players there. There's a lot of people that uh, that can start. Um, you know, where does he fit into that in the next couple of weeks? Who knows? There's a lot of matches, but I think he's certainly putting his hand up and he's going to be in Johan Van Grand's thoughts. And Andy Farrell will know about this guy and know about his potential. He's come through the system here and uh, I think he's a wonderful player. He got Sinbind on Saturday for a no-arms tackle, um, which is correct. Then got was involved in an incident with Duplessis, which was stupidity out of his part, but uh, a brilliant footballer. So he's a player this week. Are you watching Andy Farrell? And uh, I'm sure he is. I must meet Andy Farrell actually in, in one of the days now and ask him, is he watching all these players? And uh, does he does he listen into the, the podcast? But listen, we've got to move on. Um, brilliant performance for him. Um, quickly, and we don't have a lot of time, Quick chat, look back in the Ireland England game. You watched it. Um, I I got I wasn't commentating on it. I was able to watch it and relax um, and watch it on TV. Um, a lot of people talking about not being the best performance. Lots of mistakes. It been too nervy. What was your overall view of the Ireland's bonus point win in Twickenham, Neve? Yeah, look, I think it was um, <clears throat> it was brilliant. Brilliant results, I think, when, you know, you think about um, Ireland hadn't won there in the last three visits. The only time that England have lost there the last uh, number of years was to Scotland and Ireland in 2015 or 16, I think it was. So um, to be able to go and get a result there, bonus point win was was brilliant for them. Yes, obviously, scrum was a big issue in terms of the penalty count. Um, but I think... Um, and not been an expert in the scrum or anything, but I was watching it and I was uh, sitting next to a couple of the Irish coaches who were watching it and they were educating me in relation to how clever England were um, in, in le- pu- trying to push all the pressure onto Tyke Furlong. And um, and it worked because it's not been refed. And it's not going to be refed and you've got to consider that a good day at the office So um, for them. But I think they'll have learned a huge amount from that um, as a, a front three, a front five. Um, and I think that the ability to go and get, I just thought like players like Hugo Keenan was exceptional, um, especially in the last 15, 20 minutes. Um, I thought Jack Conan was really good when he came on. I thought Doris was excellent at eight. And as good as Jack Conan's been over the last 10, 12 months, for me, Doris just offers you a whole um, other uh, better of of um, ability. I think his running lines are exceptional. He's incredibly powerful. He's so physical, and that's a really difficult decision now for, for that coaching ticket going into next weekend. Um, but yeah, look, I, I do think it was a, a very good performance um, overall. I think you're looking at like Twickenham's a cauldron. My 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 dad was over there, and he said like the noise level was 
it's like not really something he has um, heard before. And, and again, the atmosphere was brilliant, and and that can you know go one or or another way. And, and the big thing, the big huge positive for me was Ireland starting so well, and then obviously England pegging them back, and it's fifteen on, and you're under either posts, and the ability to be able to shift that momentum back in your favour is a really difficult to do, thing to do when, you, and you notice, it's so hard when the, the opposition are coming and coming in waves with scores and they're picking off their three and six and nine points and um, to be able to, to or, you know, to turn that momentum back into your own favour, it's, it's a really, that's a really big, I think that's a huge confidence for us. Yeah, they showed a lot of character and a lot of calmness, I suppose, to to get the result in the end. A lot of debate about the scrums. Nigel Owens came out, said it should have been probably 3-3. I think some of the scrums are illegal and it's something that Ireland have got to uh, probably deal with and look back. I'm sure they'll have sent their their feedback um, back to the head of the referees and and analyse that. But any day you can go to Twickenham, get a bonus point, win. Just on the Charlie Ewell's red card at the start and, and just very briefly, as a coach... When you see a tackle like that and you're coaching girls, um, do, do you, is it something you work at and is it something you're conscious of at the moment about the tackle height of the player entering? Because we're actually starting to see a lot of head-on-head collisions now. The emphasis is on the tackling player to go lower. Is that something you're conscious of? And would, will you be mindful of that now heading into the Six Nations? Because, look, there is no intent but Charlie Ewells has to go lower. James Ryan's game is over. Let's hope he's okay. Um, let's hope James Ryan is okay from that. But is that something you're mindful of uh, as a coach? Yeah, absolutely. Look, we touch on it every every week, both with Pose and now with Ireland. There's a we we look at tackle tech even as a primer to to the sessions. I think it's so, so important. And, and the thing is now is that the defensive stuff has changed. So, you know, when we were playing, it was very much an up and push and a wedge type of a defensive system. Um, and, you know, you look to try and use a touchdown as your friend and then you will come up. Whereas now it's huge onus is on the defensive line to get set body in front is what they call it. And, and get yourself in an upright position in order to put pressure on the, 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 the ball carrier. And therefore, the dip is really difficult to do in that moment because it's really, you know, you're going at a million miles an hour. It's a very split second decision um, and you've got to be really quick to do it. And I think that that's, that's a huge thing. And I thought, look, 100% a red card, very unfortunate for James Ryan, obviously given his issues for the last while. Um, and Ireland are at a loss because they're missing their, their pack leader as such. So, um yeah, I think that that's definitely something that, that every team are looking at and, and trying to work on. But, you know, ultimately when you're in the cold face of the game and it's test level rugby and it's, you know, you have all this noise and the intensity is 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 like huge, especially at the start of the game. And, you know, you just want to get off the line and you want to make a big hit. You want to make a statement for your team. Um, that's that's probably when it's probably at its most dangerous. And, and unfortunately, you know, for Charlie Ewells and Red Card, but also for James Ryan. And to be fair to England, we mentioned the word character. They did show a lot of fight um, to try and make a real fist to that game and get back. Um, but thankfully, from an Irish point of view, they pulled it, pulled away in the end. And I thought that was impressive, the reaction at the end. Johnny Sexton made the point that they would have probably lost that game in times gone by. Um, so hopefully they're grown. It certainly wasn't perfect. Just finally, the final piece, um, 
couple of things to look out for against the Lions on Saturday. Um, that there's a perception and a feeling now that the Lions are not as good as the Bulls, and that because Munster came back at the weekend, that all is going to be rosy on Saturday, and they're going to beat the Lions. Is that, is that the way it's going to be? Is that the way rugby works? <laughs> yeah, look, I hope so. But um, I think this Lions team, are, um, they had a good win against Cardiff last weekend. They're at home again. Confidence will be up for them. Um, Let's just tell I, the I, listener that they, they've, they've played 11-1-3 last day. The three they won, start of the season, first game, they beat Zebra in Italy. Um they beat the Stormers 37-19 in South Africa, away from home. And their third win was against Cardiff at the weekend. I watched that game. They're incredibly powerful as well. Like this perception and thing that the Bulls are the, the big physical team in South Africa. They all are. Um, there's a player, Vince, Vincent uh, Shatuka, uh, the number seven for for, South, for the Lions. Incredible player. Um he was he was superb. What a footballer! And Jack O'Creel is the number six, so they wear the number six seven. So Shizuka is um, he's going to play at blindside, and Jack O'Creel is this, is going to play open side. But their back row is really good. Um, and Edwell Van der Merwe, number eleven, scored two tries against Cardiff. Uh, he's unbelievably quick. And Hendricks at ten, coupled with the power, they have some kind of silky skills as well. And they were 24-6 up after 34, uh, uh, after 30 minutes against Cardiff. So they started incredibly strong as well against Cardiff. For you, In your opinion, what do Munster have to do this week? What, what kind of things do we need to look out for or what they need to do? Yeah, look, I just think big thing for, for Munster is they've got to take take the ball away from that physical contact inside that interior defence. So they've got to look to shift the point of contact. And how you do that is you've got to win the gain line in relation to the ball carry. So that's going to be a huge focus on them, get a quick breakdown in order for them to be able to get on top and, and have that momentum in attack as opposed to, um, you know, even though their lines won't have the ball, that they're not dictating the tempo of the play. Um, and, and to be fair, when they played Leinster in Dublin a few weeks ago, I thought Leinster did that really, really well. I thought that they looked to move the points of contact a huge amount. So it, it moves them. And you're right, they are big. They're hugely physical. And with big and physical players, they can tire quite easily. And I think that that's a big thing for these, um, you know, provinces and teams outside of of, um, of South Africa, that if you can hang in there almost for the initial big bursts of power and play and, and intensity... And not let them run away score wise. And yeah, I was going to you can tire them out. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. Is that the key for Munster this week? That if the Lions get ahead, that they don't get it move away from them not, on the scoreboard? Don't get, yeah, don't give another twenty six minutes uh, or twenty six points of uh, head start type of thing. Because Munster can probably take confidence from the fact that they have their fitness, even though. Um, the, the the altitude this week is they're gone up to five and a half thousand feet nearly. I have it wrote down here somewhere. Yeah, uh, Joburg is five thousand seven hundred and fifty-one feet above sea level. So they're gone up. Uh, they're they're climbing all the time, going back into Johannesburg, and the weather is going to be hot again. So let's hope they learn a lot from what what happened last weekend. Step up. I'm sure there will be some changes. Maybe Jack Crowley will come in at ten. Hodnett might come back into the team. Uh, Kenya Knox might play. Um, so it's 
Uh, Liam Coombs, will he come back in? Who knows? Um, they br- they brought a squad there. I'm sure they're going to use it, and there will be some changes in 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 the side. But um, it's not going to be easy. I don't like this talk of well, the Bulls. We we came back against the Bulls and the Lions. Is we're going to win against the Lions on Saturday? I think it's. We spoke about it last week, Neve. If they can get a win on Saturday and come home with five points or even. Uh, you know, a loss and a losing, a win and a losing bonus point. I think that'll be a good return because um, where they are on the table at the moment is uh, they're third. Um, they're two points ahead of Glasgow, and you know another loss this week would be would be tough for them because they have a tough run coming up. But um, that's it for uh, we. There's a, just on the rumor and gossips. Uh, it looks like, and this is only rumors again. It's been reported that Jake Flannery may be going to Ulster next year. Um, it's inevitable maybe that one of these fly halves will end up moving and, you know, with with the number of fly halves they have to get game time. So we'll see how that one plays out. We'll talk about it next week if it happens. Um, that's it for episode 23 of the Red 78 done and dusted. It fe- seemed like it was a bit of a whirlwind there trying to get through everything. Uh, to make sure you get your podcast straight to your phone every week, just search the Red 78 and uh, press subscribe. And don't forget in touch with any thoughts you have from the Lions game this week. Uh, you can tweet us at Rugby Channel 15 or uh, you can leave a, a comment on YouTube uh, when you see the podcast there or else tweet me even myself. So um, that's it. Thank you. Good luck. Your busy weekend coming up again for you, Neve, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Quinny Chatted. The Monster Rugby Podcast. Red 78 with Adam Quinnan and Neve Briggs. Nobody knows Monster Rugby better.